I walked into the store Monday and uh, just needed to grab a few items from the store and uh, just grabbing a few groceries. And so as I walk in the door, I, I can hardly get through the front door because they have taken everything. I mean, everything that had anything to do with Easter and put it right at the front door. Now, I'm a big boy. When you see candy half off, I mean, it's hard to get past that. But, but I, I trudged on because I knew my wife would be mad at me if I came home with a whole bunch of candy. But because neither one of us needed it. But we, I, I managed to make my way through it, but I just thought it was kind of amazing that, you know, you saw Easter baskets and you saw those Reese's peanut butter Easter eggs. God bless them. Those are some of the greatest things ever made. On clearance. I was like, Satan, get thee behind me and push. But you know what? It was kind of sad to see that all of the hype of Easter was coming to an end. I remember seeing a an East, a big old chocolate Easter bunny marked for clearance. Nobody wanted that poor Easter bunny. And you know what the thing is about those Easter bunnies, the chocolate Easter bunnies, so I would assume, is that you can't really save them. I mean, you can try to put it in your freezer and save it for next year. Hey, honey, I love you so much. I got this bunny on clearance last year for a dollar. Enjoy. Happy Easter. But it, it just, you know, it's, it, it, met, it, was, it was just damaged goods. The season has moved on. And so now you will see stores being filled with cards and presents and bows and hats, all preparing for Mother's Day so we can give our mothers the greatest gifts of all. And uh, it's always funny when you see the commercials and uh, Home Depot and Lowe's and all these hardware stores try to, uh, spend their advertisement to make you think that if you get this power cord or this, I mean, this, this power drill or whatever, your mama's going to love it. But anyway, we've moved on. Easter is gone. And so I, I just thought what I'd like to do this morning, if it's okay with you, is that I don't know about you, but you ever heard the term uh, looking through the rearview mirror or hindsight is twenty twenty. If you were to look back on your life, it is much easier to get clarity on what you did than what you are doing. And so if we could, could we, I know it's past Easter, I ought to be preaching about something else, I understand, but no. Let's look at Easter in retrospect. Let's go back one week and take a look at not only what Jesus did on the cross, out of the tomb, but what was life like after the resurrection? Well, we as Christians, we enjoy, enjoy celebrating Jesus as our risen Savior who takes away all of our sins. And we are in the afterglow of such a great event. If, if there is ever a reality that we can all agree on, it is this fact that as long as we have breath, we are to love God and to love one another. But do not go back into the routine of the same old, same old. Folks, you can have hope this morning. Because the life-changing act of Jesus' resurrection gives us hope. It gives us power. And it gives us clarity. If you are not celebrating the resurrection today, you are missing out. If Easter was just 
one of many days throughout the year to where you're supposed to buy cards, you're supposed to fix hams, and you're supposed to have all the people together and do all of these different things. If that's all Easter is, you are missing the boat because the cross and Jesus' resurrection from the tomb did not signal the end of Jesus' mission, folks. When he said it is finished, he wasn't saying, I'm done with you. He was saying the portion of his ministry to where he was going to take your sin on his body. When he was going to take the penalty of your sin, he says, when your sin is put on him, it is finished. And so we see here, we pick up the story of two disciples that are walking away from that weekend. I don't know about y'all, y'all ever been on a long vacation? You know, after about the fourth or fifth day, you're kind of thinking... Boy, I can't wait to come home. And then you, you start driving home and you see the mile markers counting down and they're getting closer to home. And then finally you get home and you, ah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great trip, a great vacation, but you're just kind of spent. Any of y'all ever need a vacation from your vacation? I'm telling you what. These things that work sometimes. Or if you look at the news after a big storm comes through, even Donna went to school with a young man, or he's our age, that uh, he lives in Oklahoma. His house was just destroyed by a tornado. What do you do when the vacation is over? Or you're looking at everything that you own, and it's gone in an instant. And you think, what in the world just happened? I've got to believe that the disciples of Jesus Christ thought the very same thing. They were likely walking home from the celebration of Passover, and they were talking about the recent changes of events that had taken place. And I can imagine what it was like. They were just like you and I. They were talking about the events of Jesus being crucified. Was he guilty? Was he really the king? Was he not? And so they're, they're talking about it. Let's pick up their conversation in verses 13 of chapter 24 of Luke. It says, Now that same day... Two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you were walking? And they stopped walking, and they looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked them. Well, just to give you a little uh, uh, background information to let you see, this is probably what scholars believe is a very similar road that they were walking, so you can tell it was kind of Going through a valley there, and it was uh, seven to eight miles. They were going northwest from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And so they were just walking down the road, arguing about what had just happened, and all of a sudden a man joins them on this road. And what we see here in verses 13 through 19, we see that discouragement occurs when we focus on Easter without faith. Discouragement occurs when we focus on Easter Without faith, they had a heated discussion 
in an argument because they were discouraged. Now, we can argue about the dumbest things, right? I mean, if, if you're married or dating or, or even in your family, I'm sure you've had arguments and then you think about it to yourself later. What were we arguing about? Well, there was a man who was arguing with a, his girlfriend that he had been dating. And uh, he said that they got into an argument over which weighed more, a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers. Well, they went back and forth while he tried to explain it to her, but it did not help when her mother chimed in and said, well, what if the feathers are wet? You don't get it. I'll ask you, which weighs more, a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers? There you go. They're both the same. See, y'all are smart. This poor person didn't get it. But the thing is, they were arguing about That was a legitimate argument they were having. And what if the feathers are wet? It still doesn't make a difference, does it? But they were arguing about dumb things. Think about some of the arguments you've had in your life. Most of them are over dumb things. Where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go eat? Oh, I want to go eat here. No, I don't want to eat there. But you told me you could pick anywhere. It doesn't matter. That's where I wanted to eat. You ever had that conversation? Oh, it's insanity. Or uh, I like when, when I'm getting ready to, my parents did it, and Donna does it too, it's just for my own benefit. But when I'm walking out, they'll say, are you aware of that? I'm like, nope, I'll just try it on to see if it still fits. Then I'll go back and change. But as the two disciples are arguing about the events over their week, I love the humor that is found in here. If you go back and you read that again, verses 13 through 19, Basically, they look at Jesus, they don't recognize who he is, and he says, uh, Sir, have you been living under a rock for the past weekend? Do you not understand what just happened? Little did they know who they were talking to, right? And, the, and the, Jesus, don't tell me the Bible doesn't have humor, because Jesus baits them. He says, really, you're arguing about things that happened? Well, what things are you talking about? And Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus ask them to know more? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, in this passage, he shows patience here as he listens to these heartbroken disciples tell him something that he already knows. Now here's the point I'm trying to make with this. Is that God extends that same patience with you and I when we pray to him. Because God knows our heart. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But sometimes he just wants to hear us say it. Now look, if, if there's someone I love and a friend that I know that is hurting, and I kind of know what their experiences are, I can, I can empathize with them and I can comfort them. But if they sit down and they tell me, even though I already know what they're going through, they sit out and they talk to me, doesn't that make the relationship so much deeper? Aren't you able to help so much more? I want you to remember something that you see here. Why did Jesus ask them to tell him more? It wasn't because he didn't know. It wasn't because he wasn't informed. It was because he wanted to have a relationship with them. He wanted to hear them talk. And I'll go ahead and tell you today, 
if you are following a Jesus that just depends on your church attendance and how good you are as opposed to how bad you are on any given day, then you are not living a Christian life and you are not following Jesus because Jesus Christ is not a religion. He is not a set of rules that you have to measure up to. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He is your forgiver. He is your leader. And he wants to have a communicative, open relationship with you to where you tell him when it hurts. You tell him when you're happy and you tell him when you're mad and he will sit there and he has patience and he will listen to you. Why? Because he loves you. And that's it. But the men were discouraged and they were arguing because Jesus did not work in the way that they had expected. If you look at verse 21, let's read, uh, let's read from verses 19 on through where it says, What things, he asked them, So they said to him, these things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to the sentence to death. So you see already by them saying, our chief priests, these two men were Jews. These are two men that had gone to Passover to celebrate as they do once a year. And it says that in verse 21, but... We were hoping. Those are, that's a key phrase there. But we were hoping. <laughs> I remember when I was 16, I was hoping my parents would get me a car for my 16th birthday. <laughs> I was let down. I remember there's plenty of things in my life I've hoped for that I haven't got. But as I look at it in retrospect, I praise God I didn't get them. But he says that they were hoping and that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things had happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb. And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said, He is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, But they didn't see him. So we see here that the men were discouraged because Jesus didn't act in the way that they had hoped. The thing is, is that they were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to deliver them and bring the Jewish nation back as a superpower. They were looking for that one politician that was going to make everything okay. Sound familiar? They were looking for hope. They were looking for that leader. And Jesus wasn't acting like that. He wasn't acting like a king. He wasn't acting like some type of redeemer. What he was acting like in this point was a suffering servant. The son of God humbling himself to the point of death on the cross. Folks, politically speaking, they thought Jesus was going to give them power, hope, and prosperity that they were looking to take advantage of in this earth right now in this moment. But Christians can become very discouraged and even downright hateful when God does not give them what they want. Have you ever gotten a bad attitude or a crisis of belief when God did not work in the way you wanted him to? Have you ever gotten mad at God because he didn't answer a prayer the way you wanted it? These men were discouraged. They were disappointed, but they had the wrong focus. 
Because the longer Cleopas and his friend talked, the more, word, the more their words gave away the fact of two things. Number one, their faith was not very strong. And number two, their focus was in the wrong place. They were worried about the benefits that they could have now. They had no desire to think about the benefits of their lives after they, they were to die and to have eternal life with Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Had it not been written yet, it states, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Folks, for us to have faith, that means we don't necessarily see it, but we believe it anyway. I have faith in gravity. I know, as uh, my friend Jackson and I were talking earlier today, we were talking about doing a ninja roll. The ninja roll, right? You sit here, and I can jump over this thing and do a ninja roll and not even hurt myself, right? You want me to try it? No, I'm not going to do it. You're not either. Now I'm going to do a ninja roll. Why? Because gravity works. I don't see it, but I know the fact that if I were to try to ninja roll over this platform, there would be a mess for everybody to clean up. I don't see it, but I believe it. In my faith in Jesus Christ, I don't necessarily see that faith every day, but I can trust to know just as if I drop off of this stage that I'm going to fall. That when I fall in my life, Jesus Christ is there to pick me up. He is my hope. And my hope is found in him. But the reality of who Jesus is and what he had accomplished had not been revealed to them yet. The only thing that they could do, and they sound like good old Baptist and every other kind of church member you want to talk about, or every other denomination. All they can do is sit around and argue because they haven't had their needs met yet. Sometimes we as Christians, we sit here, and I don't know if you've ever gone to like Myrtle Beach or, or all these other places where they have these, these fish in these ponds and these, these bodies of water, and they have those little like gumball machines with the fish food in it. Man, you start turning that thing, and those fish hear it, man. Just, and then you get there, and there's like all of a sudden there's, no, there's still water, and then there's a hundred fish all jumping over each other trying to get one of those pellets. Sometimes that's what Christians are like. They will jump on each other. They will push each other aside. They will fuss. And they will fight. Because they're not getting their needs met. Because they have the wrong focus. Folks, when your focus and my focus is, this is my church, my way, or the highway. If I as your pastor say, I'm your pastor and this is the way we're going to do it. So say it to shepherds, so say it to flock. And give no, no uh, direction or, or no leeway to leadership and to prayer and to seeking the Lord's face. Then it's all with the wrong attitude. We must seek God with the right attitude. The second thing we see is that don't ruin Easter by thinking Jesus is in the wrong way. Do, don't ruin Easter by thinking Jesus is in the wrong way. Or don't think about him in the wrong way. How do we need to view Jesus? He's not a conquering redeemer. He's a suffering servant. At this point, nobody wants to see their life as Jesus being a suffering servant. 
Because as these two men, they had studied the Old Testament. We know that they were Jews. We know that they knew what the prophecy was about the coming Messiah. We still see Jews today. The reason they are Jews and the premise of their faith is they are still waiting for a Messiah that hasn't come yet. Because they are waiting for the Messiah to have uh, prestige and honor and and royalty and political power and all of these things. And so they reject Jesus and they wait for their Messiah. Do you view your faith through the same lens? Do you only read and claim scriptures that claim prosperity and stay away from those that claim suffering? Because, folks, it's a balancing act. It's suffering and it is also prosperity. But even though the men didn't recognize Jesus, they were drawn to him by his word. As Jesus was talking, they were enthralled with what he was saying. The Bible says that while he was talking, their hearts burned within them. Folks, I will tell you this much, that strong readers of God's word have a stronger faith. If you want your faith to be stronger, you have to read his word. And also, those who, there's one thing, what's the difference between reading God's word and receiving God's word? There's a big difference. Big difference between reading God's word and receiving God's word. Reading God's word is... Here, I read it, I'm done, give me my badge, let's move on. Receiving God's word is saying, you mean you want me to change my life to adapt to what you're saying, God? Yes. There's one thing to read it, it's another thing to apply it. I've often told people, you don't read the Bible, you let the Bible read you. It's not about us making the Bible say what we want, but making our lives to conform to what he wants from us. And folks, this Bible, whether it be on your phone or your tablet or it's, it be in your, your, your lap because of a, a bound book, this Word of God, you know, you know what the Bible says about itself? It says in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit joints and marrows that is able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. Well, the third thing we see about Easter is Easter is just another holiday unless we share his story. Easter is just another holiday unless we share his story. Let's pick up the story of verse 29. He says, But they urged him, They urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was when he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And I love verse 31. It says, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze with us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them. And they went and told them that they had seen Jesus. Folks, Jesus revealed his identity as the risen Messiah. Now, I loved it last week. My brother Larry Black, he was praying and he shocked all of you. Remember that? He said, He's risen! And oh, 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 oh. I love it. And brother, you do that every time you pray if you want. We'll, we'll be ready next time. 
But folks, when's the last time you got excited about the resurrection? He is risen. It's not just one day a year. He is risen. He is here today. And there might very well be someone just like Cleopas and his friend that are that for some reason today is the day where the Holy Spirit is going to touch your own shoulder and say, I'm yours. He's going to reveal himself to you. All of us are going to have a moment in our life when Jesus reveals himself to us. And it will be our choice to either take that or to reject that. But remember, these followers were those that their faith was weak. But folks, Jesus is more than just a cross that you wear as jewelry or a set of rules that you have kept as long as you can remember. Folks, Jesus is alive and he's making himself known to you today. He's making himself known to Holman Park Baptist Church today. He is making himself known to the world today. Now you and I, we can sit down and we can complain about how bad this world is getting and how crazy politics are getting and we can get all worked up about everything that this world is going through. But folks, he is alive. Quit focusing on the wrong things. We serve a risen Savior, do we not? When Christians are trembling because of what's going on in the world, what kind of faith is that? He is risen. He is alive. And so as we look at Easter in retrospect, and we see Him for who He really is, how can we not share His story? You know, I talk to you a lot about sharing the gospel, and some of you are intimidated about that. You always say, I don't know what to say, or I don't know what verses to use, or what if someone gets mad at me, or and, and all of these other what ifs. I mean, it's fear, 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 fear. One way you can share the gospel is the next time you're around the water cooler with a bunch of your friends, and they're talking about all the candidates and what's wrong, you can just say simply, well, I'm glad my faith is not in any one candidate, but it is in a risen Savior. Jesus Christ. And that would be all you have to say. That's sharing the gospel. Jesus is not looking for undercover secret agents. Okay? Easter is not a story that is a mystery. It is plain and simple and glorious. It's this. That Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He became sin so that you can have eternal life. He rose from the dead so the death will have no power over you. Folks, that is the gospel and that is what we must share. Sometimes when I'm doing funerals, I just want to shake people and say, look, we all like to say, well, yeah, we're going to be with them in heaven one day. Yes, you will. If Jesus is the Lord of your life. There is not an automatic glass door that when you step on the mat, it opens and you go in. Folks, we have to have admission. We have to have Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So your belief in Easter will be seen in your actions following Easter. If you truly believe that He is risen, if you truly believe what we celebrated last week, I mean, we sang, the choir did an amazing job, and, and everybody was on point, and Bible study classes, our ushers, and I mean, just everything was just perfect, and we couldn't have had a better Sunday. But if that's all it is, then we have fallen short of the mark. Easter is every day, and your belief in Easter will be seen in how you act when you leave this building today. For example, let me show you these. Easter gave the disciples courage to die for their faith. James was executed by a sword. 
Thomas was speared to death. Matthew was speared to death. Philip was tortured and crucified upside down. Bartholomew was actually skinned alive by a whip and crucified in Armenia. Andrew was crucified. James was crucified. Thaddeus was crucified. Peter crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he should reserve the same honor that Christ had of being crucified right side up. John, of all of them, John was the only disciple to survive, if you want to call it that. John did survive. He died of natural causes. But before he died, he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. He was almost within an inch of his life. Then he was sentenced to the mines in the prison in the island of Patmos, where he wrote probably the most prophetic book ever written, the book of Revelation. And the apostle John was later freed and returned to what is now modern-day Turkey. He died as an old man, but the only apostle the only apostle to die peacefully. Let me go back to one verse as I close. Verse 32. Folks, do not let Easter pass as just another holiday. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Folks, let Easter move you to action. A stronger faith. A love and desire to know Jesus more through his word. Maybe a bolder witness to tell others about him. And tell people that he is alive. Because I'll leave you with this question. Do you have faith? Do you got faith? Whatever faith you have, is it worth dying for? Whatever you put your faith in, if it's a relationship, if it's in your bank account, if it's in your nest egg, if it's in your job, if it's in whatever it may be, whatever your faith is in, will you die for it? Because eventually you will. These men, and we always hear people say, well, you know, this whole risen tomb thing, you know, actually people probably stole Jesus' body and it was just a ruse and it's just something made up by a group of people. Do you think those men would have died horrendous deaths like this for something they did not believe in? And we worry if someone gives us a cross eye if we mention the name Jesus. As you look at Easter in retrospect, remember, he is alive. And if you want to know him as your Savior and Lord, if you are like these disciples that for the first time in a long time, he has revealed himself to you and he wants you to accept him as your Savior and Lord. You can do that. I'll ask you to come forward and we will pray with you and we will make sure that you leave this place today knowing you are a child of God. Maybe you'd like to pray at the altar. Maybe you'd just like to pray where you are, whatever it may be. This altar call is for you to respond and however God leads. Would you please stand?